and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Haaland is officially unplayable. Arsenal take North London, Barca in pole position, plus much more. As I'm your host, Matt Foley, joined today by Podrick Whelan. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? How was the weekend? Um, enjoyable. <laughs> Probably a little more enjoyable than yours, I would guess. Yeah, um, well, ever so slightly. <laughs> I tried to like block it out of my mind and I woke up this morning and I was like, oh yeah, I've got to talk about it again. Therapy. You <laughs> call it a form of therapy, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, funnily enough, I bumped into Phil Saturday night um, and I was like, you're the last person I wanted to see. And he was like, I'm not I'm not going to do it, Matt. I'm going to be the bigger man. So I'd like to think that Lewis would be the same, but who knows? Uh, given that I'd been in this company on Saturday, I don't think he would have been this game, <laughs> funny enough. But uh, maybe doing a bit of service there. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, anyway, we'll get on to that, of course. Stunning North London derby in a little bit. But first, we'll start with a Manchester City-Manchester United match. Um, Podrick, are we witnessing the greatest goal scorer the Premier League has ever seen in Erling Haaland? Is it is it history in the making right before our eyes? I mean, you, you, obvious answer is to say, like, no, he's only been in the league for two months. Less, eight games. Eight games. <laughs> eight games. And yet, do you know what? If someone wanted to say that, I really would not argue. Um I mean, the records that he broke and that just he keeps breaking, like game after game, he's going to be breaking his own soon enough. Um, I mean, you could go on, could take a whole podcast just on all the records that he's mm. done, but I mean, the, the becoming, what was it, the first City player to score a hat-trick since 1970, um, and then Foden does it in the same game anyway. Um, yeah, crazy. I mean, the one that stood out to me I thought was unbelievable was I saw one that... Um, by 22, uh, Messi had 44 goals by the same age Haaland is now. Ronaldo had 50. Do you know how many Haaland is on at the same age? Oh, wasn't, isn't it like 160 or something? Yeah, 170. He's, he's, it's like, what? It's just insane. He's not even, like, he's treble like what these guys have got and more. Like, And these are the two greatest goal scorers of their generation. So when you're saying, um, yeah, the greatest goal scorer the Premier League's ever seen, Stats like that, yeah, who are you target? I mean, I think he would probably blow Alan Shearer's own Premier League scoring record away um, if he was going to stay in the league for a long time. But, I mean, who knows if that'll be the case. I think he quite probably fancies the idea of completing, he's completed the Bundesliga, I guess, the Premier League, La Liga, you can definitely see him at one of the top two there. Maybe even Serie A, Liga, who knows? I mean, wherever he goes, he's going to... Yeah, I think Dan mentioned this actually. He was like, I'm just going to enjoy him now because I know in like three or four years he'll go somewhere else. Yeah. It's just the yeah. way it's done. It's, they're like plotting exactly. a career for him. Yeah. I can see him ending up. Jobs. And the thing I couldn't believe is like, uh, for a big derby, I mean, if people are into the, the kind of betting odds that Holland to score a hat trick at the weekend was only nine to one, like in a big. Big, big, that is how much he's like just breaking Jesus. football. Even, even the bookies think that there's a there's as much a chance of him scoring a hat trick in a game as maybe say Bernardo Silva scoring one. Almost, it's just ridiculous. It is, yeah, unbelievable. It, 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 the way I could describe it, and it's obviously not great listening for Manchester United fans. It didn't even feel like a derby. It was yeah. like you were watching a game between one team that was unstoppable. 
And United were sort of, especially in the first half, there to make up the numbers. That halfway through, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a derby match. <laughs> like, I completely forgot. It just felt like another kind of inevitable battering from a solid, uh, well, solid's very underwhelming for Manchester City, from a very strong uh, Manchester City team to the point that, yeah, you kind of forgot that the red half was supposed to be battling for, you yeah. know, local pride. Yeah. And, uh, and bragging rights. It was absolutely astonishing. Um, but what can they take away from this? Because I, I was thinking about this. It's far too easy, and we're going to do it, from a fan's perspective to be like, oh, you can't stop Haaland. He's just brilliant. I'm not sure you're allowed to, as a professional footballer, <laughs> United, sit in the dressing room after and go, oh, that Haaland guy's really good. Like, yeah. I'm sure they've got to somehow, as painful as it may be, Ten Hag and his coaching team have to sort of pick apart the game and take something. Um, and what's it going to be? I mean, is it just that I guess we won't play against Erling Holland every <laughs> week? Is is that the positive you can take? I mean, I really don't know. Like, I thought six three even flattered them the the two late uh, goals at the end, and I thought that penalty that Man United got was also as a penalty. I don't think you get in that derby if it's one one or. It seemed mm. a little soft for me, I thought. Um, yeah, what what can they take away but positively? I saw someone on Twitter say, we won the second half 3-2. <laughs> ah, <laughs> that's all that's you go. need. Found one. <laughs> Found one. I, I mean, even even stuff like um, Casemiro, that, that, that baffles me. That really does. But that they've spent that amount of money on an experienced midfielder who, I guess at first you had the excuse, he maybe wasn't quite bedded in or whatever, but he's been there a while now. Doesn't seem like there's any kind of like fitness issue or anything. I'm not saying that Casemiro would have been a difference maker, but I mean I think they're a better team with him in it probably and yeah, going going to Manchester City it's it's the kind of player you think I mean, I don't know how effective he would have been at stopping some of those balls like mm. the was it the one De Bruyne played for Holland like yeah, there's some of them you just have to hold your hands up and say there's not a lot you can do. But I think you'd be hard pushed to say it wouldn't have been as easy for Manchester City if you had a player like that that they've spent all this money on. Um, maybe that's one that they look at how they can get him into the team soon. Or <laughs> feeling that, like you said, they won the second half. That's <laughs> they won the second half three too. Yeah, exactly. I don't get the Casemiro thing. I, I, it's probably a very knee-jerk reaction. But at this point, you can sort of put two and two together. Because at the time, I was like, why are Real Madrid selling Casemiro? But now maybe you're starting to see maybe it's something that they kind of foresaw into the future. Um, like, this is going to be good money for a player that's maybe not what he once was. Yeah, or is yeah, it I just proving sure, yeah. that Real Madrid was such a good team together that in, they were better than the sum of their parts, basically? Because now, Casemiro is the second one. We've seen Varane come as well. Varane's gone from a, what is it, five times Champions League winner, four time Champions League winner, to now looking like, oh, he was hauled off at half time. He was that bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, I guess he did go with two kind of more attacking midfielders. Maybe hmm. you could say that even Casemiro over. Fernandez or Eriksson, who I thought were both really poor. Um, yeah. So it maybe could have sacrificed one of them. But then I think a lot of Manchester United fans would probably argue, rightly or wrongly, that, well, Man United probably shouldn't be going to City. As good as a City team are and setting up just to stop them playing, maybe it would have been the wiser um, way to go. But, yeah. Um, 
It's still early days as well for Ten yeah. Hag. Maybe just a slight little bump. We, li- we live in a world where going away to Manchester City, McTominay was deemed a better option to start than Casemiro. Now, I'm not throwing any shade at McTominay. <laughs> I, I refuse to allow it either. <laughs> but that would just be given their careers. If you'd have said that, like, even six months ago, it would have sounded a bit mad, to be honest, to, to place him kind of ahead of Casemiro. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know my feelings on that. I adore Scott McTominay, so... That, that decision, yeah. all good with me. Endorsed by Podrick. Uh, talking of Ten Hag, he said after the game that he respected Ronaldo's career by not bringing him on. Is he? Does he just mean basically subjecting him to abuse or he didn't think he deserved to be part of the team You know that will go down in history as having lost the highest scoring Manchester derby ever? Um, yeah, I thought there was probably a, a more got made of it. I don't think he meant it in the way that some people go, this, this shows the shambles that the club are in, that this guy has this status that they, he won't even be brought on the path. I think it's more like you said, that he just, at that point, the game was gone. Even Ronaldo mm. wasn't going to turn it around. Is, is there any need to have money? Because you, you weren't going to get um, a lot of tracking back from maybe if Ronaldo comes on, who knows, it could have got worse. I mean, um, was it really all it would have been? Would He would have got another Manchester derby goal? Because I think... There's no way that Martial took that penalty if Cristiano Ronaldo was in the park. Um, so, yeah, he maybe got a goal out of it. It's about what you can say. I, I didn't think really it was that big a deal um, in the comments. Uh, but, yeah, strange to have a player like that and he's an unused sub um, at this point. Which does make you wonder that, you know, like, the club, the hierarchy, like, they knew, I'm sure, going into the season, what Ten Hag's thoughts on Ronaldo were. Mm. And even though they had them under contract for another season, maybe it would have just made sense um, to for everyone just to let him go somewhere. Whether he would have managed to find somewhere, I mean, I'm, that's that's I, I think obviously his agent was was trying to to shop him out. Didn't seem to be a lot of takers, but I mean, if he'd have been willing to, I don't know to take a little more of a hit to his ego, I'm sure he could have found somebody somewhere that would have took him. I'm not sure about the the Roy Keane whole uh, thing that the club have actually been the ones to disrespect him but uh, yeah maybe it would have been best in the summer to, but yeah too late now we'll see you in January I suppose I, I was going to say like not bringing him on out of respect for his career it's not exactly respecting his career by having him sat on the bench stuck between a rock and a hard place yeah <laughs> Uh, moving on, there we'll move to the earlier derby of the weekend: um, Arsenal versus Spurs. It's a shame <laughs> that Lewis is um, off enjoying his his newfound life, uh, but he will be back with us soon, and I'm sure he'll he'll have a lot to say about Spurs Arsenal. Um, about Mikel Arteta's side, we'll start with the winners, the victors. Is it more than a purple patch now? Can we can we actually say that Arsenal, instead of just having a strong start to the season, are looking like they're in it for the long run because they're they're very consistent in their approach to the games and how they're winning the matches. Yeah, I think so, absolutely. Um, what, and the only game that they've lost this season, um, the 3-1 United. at Old Trafford, they yeah. really should have won that game. Arsenal, there was a few bad refereeing decisions I thought went against them that day. Um, and then they kind of just got hit out of nowhere at the end. A bit of a smashing grab, I thought, that one for Man United. Um, I suppose games like that happen, but like you say, it's the other games. Um, the ones maybe before um, 
who knows, maybe maybe would have slipped up here and there. Um, yeah, and at the weekend, thought they were just really impressive again. Uh, they went ahead, then had that bit of adversity where Spurs came back at them, and like, Spurs, they had like moments where, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll get on to Spurs, and you'll, you'll have a lot to say to them, I'm sure. That, but they had moments where they could have troubled Arsenal, didn't really manage to do it, and then Arsenal yeah. obviously weathered all that storm, and... Yeah, when I think it shows the, the kind of place that they're in when you've got like Granite Jack, his name is now like being sung around the stadium, and he's got this her, hero status again now out of nowhere. When I mean, I'm sure even a few years ago he would, I think he said as much after the game actually that yeah, he he never ever would have thought he'd have been in the position where he'd be scoring the the goal that wraps up a North London derby and the the fans be singing his name. So yeah, I guess that kind of shows the the hymn sheet that they're all kind of singing off Arsenal at the minute. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, 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 I did have to say that I thought Arsenal were far the better side and they looked up for it. And yeah, it's the same thing on Derby there. The Emirates is always bouncing. Um, Spurs just cannot just cannot seem to go there. It's like a complete bogey team in the, of the highest order. Um, they're never going to send a mentally strong side to the Emirates. And I'm just convinced of it. It's just never going to happen. Yeah. Like, this what is what like, the red card comes down as well then. Exactly. The, the red card, the, the second goal, it's just, you don't expect these mistakes of, you know, Spurs' better players. is someone who experiences Hugo Lloris, and obviously Christian Romero's not had the greatest start to the season, but in general has been a brilliant mm. signing for Spurs. And just to see these mistakes, it's just, it happens too often. It happens far too often for Spurs um, but it's uh, away in these big games. It's like, it's like you've said, it's, it's different Spurs teams. Like, it's not as if it's a thing with, like, the Harry Kane era, if you want to call it that, like you said, the record at Arsenal is ridiculous for a derby. Of, it's not as if it's like Barcelona Espanol or like this kind of these teams. Like theoretically, they shouldn't be as they shouldn't be. What is it? Like it's like one win in thirty or something. Yeah, yeah, Arsenal, well, one right? win in the in the Premier League. There might have been maybe a cup game. Been, they no, 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 no. In in the Premier League, there might have been a win in the mid-90s away at Highbury. But yeah, certainly, if not, then it's one win in 30. And and as you said, look how many different teams, different players, different coaches have come and gone yeah. in the Premier League era. But still the same thing it's happens. It's just a really weird. That, that, that's, yeah, that's what you just can't... When it's so many different teams, so many different players, managers, even different stadiums for yeah. most teams, actually... Um, well, I know we're specifically referring to games away at Arsenal, but um, the away team yeah. in both of these things, yeah, 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 it's just it's just a real anomaly. Um, I can't put my finger on it anyway. Yeah. So. Was the Emerson red card deserved or a bit harsh in your opinion? Do you know what? At, at first, I thought it was quite harsh, and then you see kind of how far away the ball is and how high he catches him on his leg, and then I thought, yeah, I mean. I don't know, even as a Spurs fan, were you... Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, I, yeah. I thought when you watch it in real time, it looks like one of them where you just stand on someone's toe or his foot and yeah, he catches exactly him and you're I like, ah, you bugger. And then you watch it back and you're like, ah, you just... There, there, there's, there's a real fascination with above and below the ankle um, yeah. when you do these tackles. And if, you know, if you stud the crap out of his foot below the ankle, it's fine. But just above, you're asking for the trouble. It was just in such an unnecessary yeah. position on the pitch as well. Yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> Martinelli's running yeah, towards his own goal. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, I think uh, uh, that seems to be the repetitive case of Spurs. Unnecessary is the word. 
just this unnecessary mistakes, unnecessary decisions. And uh, yeah, their first defeat of the season in the Premier League, which left Arsenal top. I just think, I'd, I'd be completely honest, I think Arsenal are very good this season. It's just a shame they're walking into a, a, a league campaign that has Manchester City in it. Uh, as Liverpool fans will tell you from the last few years that you could be as good as you want in this Premier League, but you're not quite Man City. <laughs> well, we say that, but who's top? <laughs> yeah, we're top now, but you know, there's 30 games to go. And if Arsenal win every single yeah, one of them, every single one of them, blow uh, me down. Yeah, That'll be the title. I know. I'm sure you, as the optimist as Arsenal fans are, I'm sure you'd be hard pressed yeah. to find one of them who would, yeah, who would agree. Because, yeah, as we spoke about earlier, City's just got this. If nothing else, this one guy who will score 1,200 goals yeah. this season and it'll all be fine. This half-decent striker. Yeah. Um, the other big game for the Premier League in the weekend, Liverpool 3, Brighton 3. Again, there were calls for, for Klopp's head. Um, we mean him being fired, of course. This is medieval. Um, <laughs> are they a bit too ridiculous? Or is there some sort of point to the fact that maybe his time is coming to an end? I hadn't seen those calls, so this is... When you, when you mentioned it to me, that was the first, uh, you know, and I'm quite surprised. Um, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, far too soon if if people mm. are actually doing it. It really genuinely surprises me. Um, it was so many months ago where they took, like you'd mentioned there about Manchester City, they took this ridiculous City team who you think nobody should be getting close to, and they took them what, to within about 20 minutes of taking um, the title off them. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that that kind of thing around Klopp, that's just a, an absolute no for me anyway, straight away. Well, I, th I saw the, the argument was that Klopp hasn't changed this team enough. He's built the team that's so good, but then when it stagnates, it's also on him for not kind of uh, rejuvenating it rejuvenating it quick enough. Um, and saying a lot of people saying, oh, they're not being backed by FSG, this, that and the other. But I don't really agree with that. I think he has Me rejuvenated there. Yeah, he's, he's made like Carvalho calls. started and stuff yeah. at the weekend. Like, yeah, I, I'm with you there as well. Yeah, he, sure he got rid argument. of Mane, spent big money on Darwin Nunes. Um, I just think there seems to be a bit of an issue in the defence, which Klopp doesn't really appear. I don't know whether he's not able to work on it or it really is just down to players making poor decisions and in bad runs of form. He said, it even said after the game, um, I cannot say I was 100% convinced that we wouldn't concede again when we were 3-2 up. Seems like a bit of a trust issue. Um, or are we uh, we're guilty as well, making a bit more of it than actually there is to it. We've got to give a bit of credit to the attacking sides. Yeah, I think you've mentioned it about just giving credit to the attacking side because I think he'd saw what Brighton had did earlier in the game. I mean, Brighton could have been 5-0 up. Um, like that, and that is not even an exaggeration. Like they got the two goals, but they created a lot of chances. They buzzing over Liverpool pretty much up until um, Firmino was the first one to pull it back. Then a bit of nerves kick him. He'd saw how well Brighton had done in the game. Um, I think it's going to be really exciting addition to the league. I think there's, I wouldn't have too many um, concerns about them not or like stagnating now that Potter's left and. All of that going away, and I think they've showed that in their first game. Just not so much maybe hit the ground running, has just kept what he was going doing. Um, yeah, and yeah, like Klopp said, the, the 
to get the third one. Liverpool get the third one, and then he's he's not quite sure if they can hang on. If they, but yes, even like individual mistake, you you watch that third goal and you think, like Luis Diaz is, you can see Trossard alone at the back. I think Trossard's just come back on from he went off injured, got the shout, so maybe nobody's picking him up immediately. But Luis Diaz has a lot of time to see Trossard mm. making that run and just doesn't get back in to to challenge him. Um, yeah, incredible. That was with what the I think our Shavali um, to get a half hand. Wouldn't I thought it would have been Trossard, but yeah, um, unbelievable. Uh, Hope Brighton will hold on to him because he's really fun to watch in that team. But you do kind of concern with him that a big move's probably not that far away because how consistent he's been um, for so long. Really, yeah. uh, really fun game. I was actually a little bit annoyed. I was looking, I was doing my fancy Premier League just before, and I was like, right, I've got enough for Trossard or Gross as one of the attacking yeah. two in Brighton's lineup, and I picked Pascal Gross instead. Oh, oh no. Oh, I think overall, though, he's fantasy points wise, I think he's been quite good this season, has he not? Gross, yeah, he was so. brilliant away at Old Trafford as well in the opening yeah. day. Like, Gross is also yeah. a good shout. It was just yeah, seeing the, yeah. the other just, one get all goals. Yeah. I was like, for God's yeah. sakes, he got me nothing. Uh, could you back Brighton? Could you endorse Brighton for a, a top four surprise? Maybe even top six? Mm, I wish, but I can see Joel in the background behind me. <laughs> I think after after um, getting a point at Anfield, if I was to endorse them for anything further, they uh, <laughs> might come through the door for me. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I, think if, I think it's just too... It's just too much, I think, to ask of a, of a team... Um, don't have resources mm. to go through the whole uh, to go through the whole season. Um, you look at some of the teams that they're ahead of just now, and you would kind of think that they'll they'll quite quickly um, put things right. Or you assume just based on yeah. their own resources history. But up six, though, like you've asked there, um, I definitely definitely couldn't you to see five teams maybe better than them, I think reasonable, but. They are, they are a really, really good side. Um, top yes or no? I'll say no, but not confidently. Are you going to yeah. give them the top six or top? Four? I think so. I'm going to go oh. sixth. I'm going to go sixth for Brighton. Oh, there we I'm go. Gonna go. A really, Someone's really good side. Um, actually, very, very quickly, we we're talking about Klopp potentially leaving. Uh, the reason I bring it up with you is because I saw rumours of a potential replacement if Jurgen Klopp were to ever leave Liverpool. About Big Ange, about yeah. Celtic's man. Okay, I know you're not going to want to lose him and there's probably no chance of Klopp leaving any time soon, but is that something you could get behind? Do you think he'd actually do well at Anfield? No, because this this whole thing originated from there's a, a guy who played one game for Celtic and was like a, a pundit now, and it was basically him that said um, he's the perfect man and when Klopp leaves... Postacoglu will be the guy to go in. And it, it surprisingly got picked up by <laughs> by quite a lot of places for what was essentially just a, a guy who does some, uh, he's got like a YouTube channel and stuff in Scotland. Yeah. Some of it's quite entertaining. Um, yeah, it got picked up a lot more than it should have. I, I would be surprised if, uh, if he was a blip on Liverpool's radar. I mean, maybe that's doing their staff to say. I hope not because, yeah, like you said, I'll, like our little secret, <laughs> um, but talking of managers actually leaving Bruno Lage was fired 
by Wolves after a shocking start to the season. Uh, how does a new manager even begin to turn this around? Because in terms of having a lot to work with, there doesn't really appear to be much there at Wolves at the minute. That's exactly, and I, I like. I think Lag has paid for his job with the fact that the club just acclimatised. So I mean, you saw the, you saw how bad you looked that Wolves squad. How much they needed to add to that in the summer, and the players went, and nobody really came. In. I mean, I think they were got a little bit on the Kalajic one. They really needed a striker, and then that's been quite unlucky. But yeah. I mean. You've watched the Bundesliga as well. I mean, this is a bit different, but that was a guy whose fitness problems were always a concern. And I know this one's a little different as previous. It was a lot of shoulder stuff in the past. But you would have been aware that, well, this guy, maybe we need another one because you can't always rely on him to stay fit. Then they get in Diego Costa, who is he going to be? What is he, 34 now? The mm. intensity of the league. And then I think. I th- Lager made a point after the game when he's kind of asked about his job and stuff like that um, before he knew he was going to get sacked obviously and kind of mentioned that well the only games Wolves have lost in like this recent terrible run is when they've not had an out and out striker available but when they've had a striker available to start in the game they've been picking up results so maybe there's some of that that even you said how can a new manager turn it around well if it's not got a striker available if they weren't back um, in the summer, just going to be working with the same tools, and I don't can anyone really um, come in and put it right. Consider it's there for me. It's it's a it's a tough tough ask for anyone. I'll, I'm not sure who it will be. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be one of them where Wolves are going to have to hope that there are worse teams than them, so that they don't slip into some relegation worries, rather than them dragging yeah. themselves out. And because I suppose the, the, the good thing is they've got a big gap with the World Cup that. Yeah, not so many games. Maybe they won't fall too far out of it, but that is a squad in January that t- needs uh, needs help. Yeah, definitely in need of a goal scorer or two. Um, we'll move on to a, a stunning goal scorer, and it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. And it's in La Liga. Robert Lewandowski has nine goals in seven games. Uh, Barcelona are top of the league for the first time in two years. That is a stat that blows my mind. Ever since I heard it this morning, um, they've got the best attack in the league. The best defence having conceded just one in seven games. And Lewandowski is finding the back of the net, like we mentioned, on a ridiculously regular basis. Uh, was it ever in doubt for you that without Bayern and without the Bundesliga, he was he was still going to be a great goal scorer? No, I think we always knew, didn't we, that uh, just no matter where he would go, uh, the guy would score goals. Like you said, the the other stat that the, was a surprising one, I thought, about the first time in two years and then you hear that it was when Setien was the manager as well and you're like, oh yeah, oh I my forgot God. that Setien was at Barcelona yeah. for for that short time. Um, now he's a manager who would have probably loved working under Lewandowski with all his kind of attacking principles, but yeah, um, really fun so far, Barcelona uh, with Xavi. Uh, yeah, like, I'm not sure Real Madrid still look like, I mean, flipped up on Sunday, but I think they, they've got a real fun mix, I think, in the team where the younger ones are just kind of coming in as the kind of more experienced ones, and they've got that kind of nice little period where they're all kind of there. So it's fascinating how different, I think, the two of them, those teams are in Spain at the moment. I think it's going to be a, a really fun title race. 
Kike Setien hasn't had a job actually since Barcelona. So Wolves, mm-hmm. Setien, there we go. We're setting up matchmakers. <laughs> yeah, it is. We're playing matchmakers, yeah. Give, yeah, give an attack-minded coach a team with a striker. You'll love it, Matt. I didn't know that. Very good. Yeah, there we go. We'll uh, we'll, we'll claim credit for that when that one happens. Yeah, uh, but... we, we want uh, an agency fee. Yeah, what an agency fee. I'll get in touch with Wolves. You get in touch with Setien. You can find him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from La Liga to Serie A though and the, the greatest story of the weekend was that Roma went to Inter Milan on 1-2-1 and manager Jose Mourinho with a touchline ban watched it in a van outside the sand in a van makes him sound a bit creepy I'm sure it was a very nice trailer um, <laughs> it was actually I mean, if you see the video from inside it looked very very comfy yeah, yeah I'm sure, you know just watching an absolute piece it's like the most realistic football manager there is like you're outside the stadium playing on your laptop and your team yeah. actually wins yeah yeah unbelievable <laughs> um will we ever see a manager so entertaining i just think everything he does is hilarious even even that is the first time i've ever seen a manager with a touchline ban and gone you know what that's quite funny that's quite a novelty way of watching it was there not the I don't know one when he was at Chelsea as well when he was banned from a game and he got them to sneak him into the dressing room in the underpants not the underpants hamper, dear me, the the kit hamper. Um That sounds like something out of a movie. Yeah, but apparently that was I think he'd be able to find it. I think he was well, he says it happened by the way, that he was snuck into the ground for like a Champions League game the team talk and they come back out in this kit hamper, which like who who else does that? The man I'm the, not the biggest fan of Mourinho, but entertaining is one thing that he absolutely is. Um, yeah, and even that one at the weekend, like we said, the, the van that looks like Pimp My Ride or something yeah. Josie's got going on out there was there. Yeah, really, really fun. And what a game he watched as well. Yeah, absolutely. I just The idea of it is so funny. Just sort of sat outside and managing. I, I really like to think he kind of Zoom conference called in at half time. <laughs> and they all just sat there watching him on a big screen. But I think that's banned, though. Is it? Not? Is it? He's, he's you can't even call in. Having contact, which is why he, I think he got, well, he told the story years later, but you're not technically allowed, I don't think, from a certain number of hours before it until the game's finished. You're not really supposed to have contact with, uh, yeah, with the dressing room. I'm sure he found a way, though. Yeah, I was going to say, he's definitely found a way. Yeah. <laughs> God, bizarre. Uh, as for the actual game, Paolo Dybala continued some great form. Unbelievable goal. And Chris Smalling scored the header. Now, obviously, as someone who has pretty much no interest in the English team, um, do you take a little bit of delight in thinking they might have missed out on a pretty good defender by not recalling Chris Smalling to the squad? They could do no worse. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I, I won't be complaining. Yeah. Um, not, not even, like, Smalling's... I think Smalling, yeah, he should be in the, should be in the discussion, but... Uh, the weird one is the Fikayo Tomori one. And, yeah. I mean, like the press in Italy genuinely just cannot believe how um, Harry Maguire is like still a starter for um, for England. Doesn't play anymore for Manchester United, obviously. When a guy who a Scudetto winner last season, but he's just been colossal, like in defence for them, unbelievable. And um, I mean, I was discussing this with friends actually when we were at the Scotland game last week about how. Southgate has this kind of reputation of being like a, if nothing else, a real good man manager and really good with people. But yet, 
and England did a game last week in Tomori's home stadium in that game against Italy and he was left with the squad completely and you're just like this seems such a such a shit. How many times can you go away um as an England manager with an England squad to a, a, a great stadium abroad and you've got a guy who plays his football there every week and um yeah, to leave him out. So I, I think Smalling, like you said as well, he's he's got a fair few man of the match awards um this season been really good for Roma. He's been really good for quite a long time, actually, for Roma. Mm-hmm. But even above Smalling, I think the the, the weird one is Tamori, um, because uh, just when Harry Maguire's getting a game ahead of him, don't understand it personally. <laughs> yeah, of course, Maguire sat on the bench injured, watching uh watching his side concede six without him. So who knows? Maybe uh, maybe yeah. <laughs> he's got a little bit of a maybe. pep at his step now. <laughs> He's walking into training saying it would have been five if I was there. Would have, <laughs> would have been five. Uh, we'll look forward, though, to the Champions League this week. Uh, we'll preview some of the biggest games. Uh, talking of AC Milan, actually, and for Kyle Tomori, they've got a match against Chelsea. And I've written catastrophic. I'm not sure it's that big for Chelsea. But losing to AC Milan would leave them rock bottom with one point from three games and six behind AC Milan. Um can the Italians go to Stamford Bridge and, and turn them over? What kind of message would that be sending, especially to Graham Potter? Uh, I don't think they will. Um, I don't know. Italian teams, especially going to England, just historically always seem um, seem to struggle. And then when they do get great results, like when uh, Inter won at Anfield last season, it comes in a second leg that they've already lost the first leg to now. <laughs> so... Yeah, just it's like one of those ones we kind of spoke about earlier with Tottenham and Arsenal, that Ita- Italian teams, Serie A teams going to England. That's good. Um, yeah, Chelsea weren't so convincing at the weekend. To be honest, they probably mm. were quite fortunate to get out of that one. Um, with the three points, great goal from Conor Gallagher. But, uh, yeah, I th- I th- maybe a draw or a Chelsea win, I think. Like you said, I think Chelsea will know the kind of severity of this one um, mm. although you seem like you sound a bit more confident than me uh, yeah I, away I, I watched a fair bit of AC Milan purely for Rafael Leal and uh, at it again at the weekend and just putting a game winning performance after game winning performance I feel like this could be the time where we see a massive performance on English soil and suddenly suddenly the transfer rumours start to pick up a bit of pace, uh, as is always the case when someone has a good game against an English team. But I yeah. just think the guy's unbelievable. That's uh, that's true. And he seems weird that he's like one of those that's kind of going under the radar mm. a little bit, that he's not being discussed so much with all the, the big moves. And you're right, like, it could be the kind of game, the way that, especially the way that Chelsea play. If he finds space like down that left-hand side, I mean, you know, Reese James and... Is quick, but if he gets like someone like Thiago Silva isolated, I mean, Leal could uh, could have a fun night. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just his style of play as well. I think is so. I think he's so Premier League. Like he's he's really really good on the ball. A really close foot dribbler. Fantastic finisher, and he's got that athleticism. That kind of Cristiano Ronaldo in his younger days burst of pace as well. And I think he's unbelievable. I think it's gonna be a massive game from massive game. Um, Leipzig as well, hosting Celtic, your boys. How confident are you about picking up a first win in the group? Not at all. <laughs> um, 
That's what we like to hear. Come on, Podrega. I mean, we just don't do it. We just do not do Champions League away games. So, uh, I don't know the exact number, but Mm. I mean, since 2000, which the first year we, well, 2001, the first year we got into the the group stages, we've won uh, a grand total of two Champions League away games. So, um, yeah, (laughs) history not on our side. Uh, And yeah, we, I suppose Leipzig changed coach at a time when you didn't really want them to change coach. Yeah. New man in now, so um, yeah, I'm worried. <laughs> worried is the word I would use. But I mean, if we play like we've played in uh, Warsaw against Shakhtar, who knows? Maybe, maybe you can nick a point. Um, and the lot, maybe the last one actually. We're talking about Club Bruges because I find them more fascinating the more and more I see them. Uh, they could go three and zero with a victory against Atletico Madrid here, starting uh, a, keeping sorry a one hundred percent start in the group. Uh, I was looking up at the last Belgian teams to make it very far. Anderlecht made it to the second group stage as it was back then in two thousand and one, before being knocked days, out. Yeah, yeah, second two group, group stages. Stage. Uh, they got twelve points from the first group stage, and Ghent lost in the last sixteen to Wolfsburg in 2016 after finishing second with 10 points. So a win here for Club Rouge puts them on nine, still with three games to go. Um, Could you see them? Obviously, this is if they beat Atletico Madrid. Could you see them getting through and maybe causing a little bit of a shock or will it just all come to an end when they face a really big sort of European team eventually? I mean, yeah, I think the way the the competition is set up, that, yeah, it's any team that that squeezes through that maybe you didn't expect to be there is going to find it very tough um, in the mm. knockouts but I mean like they've done a lot of the hard work already I always think it's must it's incredibly harsh when you see a team that I mean it's happened to us before um, when you get to like nine points you think that nine points would be a, a reasonable amount for qualification but I mean you can be eliminated on it mm. as well um, I think the worst was one year there was I'm sure there was a group with Napoli Dortmund Arsenal Marseille and all of the top three finished in 12. Marseille got like battered in every game. And Napoli ended up getting eliminated in a group that they had got 12 points in. So, I mean, I'm hoping it's not going to be that for Club Bruges. Um, yeah, wow. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. They've done a lot of the hard work so far. I think they've rode their luck a little bit, especially that Leverkusen game. From what yeah. I remember of that one. They, um, yeah, they rode their luck. But, yeah. But nice, it's always nice to see, I think, teams that you don't expect in the, the last 16 as well. So maybe us in Bruges, you never know. Well, there's there's a whole a whole load of Champions League football. Um, I'm not sure we're going to be reviewing it this week though on Thursday. Myself, uh, I'll be away. Dan's away, I think. But we'll be back next week. Um, but Where finally, before we go, I'm after a bit of bit of sunny Mallorca, just oh. for a few days. Just for a few days. Let's not make out that I'm always away. Uh, <laughs> As Dan's friend tell of the you show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He always says, oh, you're always away, Matt. Like, That's not true. That's not no, true. No. Just a few days break. Erling um, Holland works hard, but Matt Froelich works harder. <laughs> exactly. Put me in that city score and I'll score one a season. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we go, finally, the last little bit, the last little bit of news, actually talk about Leipzig earlier, is that Christopher and Kunku had some sort of secret Chelsea medical, which I don't understand how it happens, because I thought you'd have to agree a deal or agree with Leipzig that you can talk to the player but apparently Chelsea have this sort of intent to release to pay his minimum fee release clause which then means that the club's taken out of the picture and Chelsea can talk to Nkunku so 
The latest is that the secret medical has been done and he has agreed terms at Chelsea for a switch next summer of around 60 million euros. Um, how good a signing will this be for Chelsea? Um, well, if, if he can keep up the kind of form that he's shown in the Bundesliga, it's going to be um, a massive, massive addition. Uh, yet another one of those kind of attacking players um, for that attack that, I mean, you think Lukaku's got to come back in next summer as well. Oh God, I forgot about that. Potter, <laughs> Potter will want him. Um, yeah, I think it will go better than the last forward that Chelsea signed from Leipzig. <laughs> anyway, I think we can confidently say that. I mean, we talked about Lewandowski earlier in the podcast, but I mean, Lewandowski last season didn't finish as the Bundesliga player of the season. Like, that is how good Nkunku was last season. I think it was 20 goals and 13 assists he ended yeah, up yeah, with. And that's not even... Played off the, off on the left sometimes through the middle sometimes. So, yeah, um, incredible talent. Um, the only bizarre one, like you kind of touched on, how can you also how can you do a medical a year in advance? Like, what if some something catastrophic happens to his knee in January and at night? No, like, so the point in that medical for a year in advance was yeah, what exactly? Yeah, um, strange, but I mean, I'm. Obviously, we hope that doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, if he if he shows any of the kind of form he showed um, in Germany, he'll be an absolute superstar in England. Like you discussed with Leal, one, these kind of attacking players who've got so many bags of tricks that yeah. I think the Premier League and the the space and the intensity will be tailor made for him. Yeah, I'd be suited for him. It's one of the other things where I think he comes in and either links up really well with the rest of the Chelsea forwards, like kind of. Him, Sterling and Havertz maybe behind Aubameyang or him and Sterling behind Havertz. All of those options. Uh, ridiculous options. But it could also flip around the other way and you'd be like, oh, Chelsea have got too many similar players. But I don't think Nkunku yeah. is. I, I think he's got, he's got so much that doesn't really... He's not... I, I, I think he can replace or play alongside all of them. Because yeah, I think he slightly yeah. differs to each of the Chelsea forwards whilst also being able to fit in alongside them. Unbelievable, unbelievably talented forward. Um, but that is all from this week for myself uh, and Podrick on the One Football podcast. Of course, you could tweet us in. Actually, tweet us in your predictions this week for the Champions League uh, at One Football. You can also tweet me at Matt underscore Froelich or Podrick's is at Podrick Whelan. Uh, P Whelan 88, I think. 88. Don't go tweeting some other poor namesake though with. Uh... Or may, may, actually, maybe do. Maybe, maybe do. Tweet every yeah. single Podrick Whelan you can find. Yeah. Some football yeah. scores for this week. Of course, you can also email us. Uh, the address is podcast at onefootball.com. But that's all we have time for this week. Thanks so much, Podrick. As always, I hope you've all enjoyed listening. And we'll be back again next week, probably on Tuesday, myself and Dan and a, and a special guest. So we'll see you then. <laughs>